this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Aloha from Hawaii. I'm Jason Whiteley. Uh, welcome to this Yolitics episode. This is a special episode, and you're probably wondering, what are you doing in Hawaii, right? Well, two things. Number one, this is probably the farthest that we've ever produced a podcast from. If you look behind me here, which side? This side, Daryl? Yeah, I if mean, you, you're, you're kind of Either side. Me. Yeah, yeah. If, if you look behind us here, this is Waikiki Beach behind us, um, and beautiful evening sunset about to happen over here on the beach. Second though, Wheeler did not make the trip with us. That's his fault here. So as we got set up here in this park, just on the uh, east side between Diamond Head and Waikiki, if you know the area, started walking over here, actually uh, picked up some, some local brew. And there's a giant sign that says, you cannot have alcoholic beverages in the park. So Wheeler, these will be your, your souvenirs. From Hawaii. I'm going to put them back in here in case anybody's looking over here. Uh, but seriously, why are we in Hawaii? Well, we came down here four years ago to do a, a few stories about Southwest Airlines. The Dallas-based airline started, finally got permission to fly over the Pacific Ocean. Uh, it took several years and start flying to Hawaii. Then the pandemic happens. Uh, everything closes down, right? Uh, air, air travel goes, you know, way down condensed to what it was uh, pre-pandemic. Well, here we are four years later, the end of the pandemic. Southwest has really carved out a chunk here in Hawaii. It's competing against Hawaiian airlines, not just going back and forth across the Pacific, but Southwest is also flying between the islands as well. And that's something that hasn't happened here in a long time. So what's the politics in this, right? Well, there's a lot of politics going on if you've been watching Southwest Airlines lately, namely what happened six months ago with the December cancellations thousands of flights canceled, millions of people inconvenienced. And then in April, Southwest Airlines had more technical issues and it had to cancel. It didn't have to cancel, it had to delay, I think, 1,700 flights back in mid-April. So here we are in May and we're closing in on the summer break, summer travel, and Southwest Airlines said, hey, we're going back to Hawaii, Jason, if you want to go with us. But number two, we're, we're going to unveil a couple things here. Number one, we're going to unveil a brand new livery. Have you seen the Southwest Airlines planes? They have the different state flags on the planes. Southwest painted one of its planes uh, this cool Hawaiian-looking uh, uh, motif that's, that's uh, on the livery of this aircraft. But they came here, and it's really kind of symbolic of what Southwest, based in Dallas, has been trying to do here into the islands, and that is respectfully carve out a niche here. But with all the politics going on, with, with lawmakers questioning Southwest Airlines, with the Department of Transportation still having an inquiry into Southwest Airlines, and with thousands of people booking trips for the summer holiday, we wanted to know, is Southwest Airlines ready for this? Yeah, airlines have issues all the time. Southwest, though, really hasn't. It's been pretty efficient in its operation. So Southwest calls and says, Jason, we're going back to Hawaii. Jason, you can go with us on this. And if you want to, you can interview the CEO, Bob Jordan. Been on the job for about 18 months or so. He's going to be on the flight. So we grabbed a seat next to him at 36,000 feet over the Pacific Ocean as we approached Hawaii here. And we had questions for him. First, 
starting off about all the political stuff going on, and then Hawaii. Here's what he said. Hey, y'all. This is where Texas politics gets interesting for another smart conversation on eolitics. You've been on the job since, what, February 22? Right, a little L over a year. A little more than a year. I can't imagine this is how you thought your first year would uh, start out, is it? You know, it's exciting. Uh, it, uh, you, 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 there's probably no other word for it, but no, nobody expected the uh, the ops disruption in December. And uh, that's probably the biggest change. Yeah, coming out of COVID, I think we knew what to do, but the ops disruption really changed everything. We already had a focus on modernizing our operation. We've doubled down on that. Uh, we're taking care of our customers. That's probably the biggest change though. That doesn't change the fact though, that this is a great company. Right? This, is, this is the best company on the planet. You had the December cancellations. You, you talked a lot about that. You have yep. a roadmap to get beyond that. Then a couple of weeks ago, in April, you had the, the, the firewall issue. We did. People are asking what in the world is going on at Southwest? What do you tell those customers? You know, the firewall issue is very unique. We have, we, we have redundancy. We had a firewall that failed and then its backup failed. Uh, we had a period of time where we wanted to make sure the systems, our operational systems were up and running properly, data was flowing. So we did take a ground stop for a little less than an hour. Uh, but the good news is at the end of the day, we, we disrupted very, very few customers. 99.9% .9 of our customers got to their destination and we canceled, I think, 18 flights out of 3,800 that day. So we ended up having a pretty good day. But no, we, uh, we, we never want to inconvenience our customers. We don't underinvest in technology. We're putting $1.3 billion a year in technology this year, but we are accelerating things. Uh, it was just a really unique event. What keeps you up at night when you look towards the summer schedule? Your customers saw what happened in December. They saw the delays they faced a couple of weeks ago. Are you nervous about the summer travel season? I'm not nervous. Uh, the uh, we're, we're as staffed as we have ever been. So we had a huge staffing year last year coming out of COVID and uh, lots and lots of hiring. We're hiring still again this year, uh, mainly pilots. We're, we're still short and pilot constrained, but we have as many employees per aircraft as we've ever been, as we've ever had. And we were the first airline to get back to pre-COVID levels of staffing. So that doesn't worry me, but you know, you have things like ATC, just managing the traffic. That's probably the biggest issue. You have a computer science degree? I do, I do. Now they call it technology. Technology degree? Do you Did you ever pick up the phone during all this and say, hey, do you want me to come down there and figure this out? I uh, will admit that the, our CIO and I spent time. There, there are times when we get into te technical issues like every company. Every company has sure. new technology and old technology, but I'll admit there have been times when the CIO and I are on the whiteboard together because uh, I do have a technology degree, good or bad. To, to, to help figure all that out. Um, what's, uh, I, I want to ask you a few more things about this as well too. The Department of Transportation has that open inquiry into what happened in December. They do. Have they talked to you personally about what happened? We, you know, they, uh, the December uh, issue was complicated. We disrupted 2.1 million customers. And so of course we created a lot of inquiries into the Department of Transportation. We're cooperating with them fully, like you would expect we always would. I have talked to the secretary a number of times just to update him on our progress and how we're doing. I updated him during the firewall uh, disruption a couple of weeks ago. Did you but, call uh, the secretary? The secretary called you? Uh, the secretary called and asked for an update and I provided that. It was very cordial, just uh, wanting to understand what was happening. I, that's not unexpected given, you know, given the December issue, but uh, no, we're, we're working with the DOT and, and uh, cooperating and uh, providing them everything that they're looking for. How about the DOJ? I didn't realize the DOJ, the Department of Justice, was looking into this as well until a few weeks ago. I think a headline popped on that. 
how big of a deal you know, is that? It's that a problem? headline, but uh, to, to, to date, there's nothing from the DOJ. We'll work with any government entity uh, that, uh, that 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 need, that we need to, but there's yeah. nothing going on with the DOJ, just the DOT. Just the DOT. Just the DOT. Gotcha. Are you, are you uh, any idea when that federal probe is going to end? No, I, I think it's a, um, uh, I, I don't want to speak for the DOT. Sure. Again, they're running they, it. They, 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 they're, they're in charge. They've requested a lot of information. We've provided all of that. So we're, we're working very closely with them. And uh, no, I wouldn't put a time, I wouldn't put a time frame on it. Bob, what did you learn as a Maria leader? Teresa was its clothing line one. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you learn as a leader, Bob, through all this, through your first year? year and a half well you know i've i think i've had uh, great training working for folks like gary kelly and herb kelleher but uh you, you know if you take the, again the december I- issue number one tell the truth be transparent we're a company that's known for transparency we disrupted a lot of customers there's no way to uh argue that we didn't be transparent about it be transparent about what we're doing uh apologize take care of your customers but I think at the end of the day, uh, just stand on the principles that we stand on as a company, take care of our customers, tell the truth, be reliable, uh, and just move forward. I'm an optimist. You you guys have always done that though. I mean, that's something you guys, I mean, you're living it out, but was there anything that you're like, well, I didn't realize this when I, when I took the the main job, any lesson learned through everything? Well, I, you know, there's no way when you take a job, uh, like, uh, I, I have in the last year here that you expect something like the December issue. Nobody expects that. it was a huge storm that led to a lot of crew disruptions that led to uh, basically a reset of our network over three days. No one would have expected that. I think the biggest learning for me is probably that um, I've always had a lot of capacity, but there there are so many things that come at you. You have to decide as CEO, what can only you do in terms of directing the company and making decisions. And so you have to learn to focus. And I like to focus on a lot of things and the company turns on your focus. So make sure you're very clear with your priorities. You're very clear with what's most important to the company. Southwest investing more than a billion dollars a year, I believe in technology. We do. How confident are you that your customers will not see a repeat of the cancellations in December or the delays in April? I, I'm really confident. The, if you look at what happened in December, it really breaks down into three things. We have winter ops preparedness, uh, work that we needed to, to do, investment in de-icing trucks and technology and glycol and tanks and storage and more de-icing pads. It was a very unique storm, one of the, the coldest weather that they've ever seen at the Denver airport, for example. I'm very confident that we have plans in place to make sure that that does not happen. And those plans will all be accomplished by uh, winter of 2023. Uh, now, can you have other hiccups? If you look at the industry, Hiccups happen regularly. We had the NOTAM event that was a nationwide ground stop. I don't expect that to happen again. But no, we're positioning ourselves. Uh, uh, there, there can't be a reoccurrence of what happened in December. There cannot. I saw that, that almost half of your customers who were affected in December have since rebooked. More than half. More than half. Do you think you lost any customers or do you think the rest of those are going to rebook on you know, uh, the we watch our bookings, of course, every single day. We watch our, our customer reputation scores. And we took a hit in January and February. A lot of that was holiday travel where customers didn't take their outbound and, there, and therefore couldn't take the return. But March was really, really strong. So we saw very strong bookings and revenues in, in March. We, we have very strong second quarter bookings. Right now, there's no evidence that customers are booking away from us. We gave away 
uh, 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 over 2 million gestures of goodwill, basically 25,000 rapid rewards points. Customers began booking them within minutes. Did they really? And these are these are customers that we disrupted, and we've seen a record level of redemption of those gestures. Back in of January, yeah. after you guys gave we, these out, they booked it within we minutes. We gave out. We saw them begin to redeem those literally immediately, and we're seeing a record level of those gestures of goodwill booked, which tells me our customers are sticking with us. Bob, let's talk about Hawaii. What's the purpose? I, I, you guys have what thirteen state flag liveries or, or, or aircraft dedicated to uh, states. What's the purpose of, of making one for Hawaii and this this is the most southwest state in the United States we have a big investment in Hawaii we've grown from uh, a few a handful of flights a day less than five years ago to 90 flights a day today so it's very important the spirit of Aloha the spirit you find in Hawaii is so similar to the spirit and the culture of Southwest Airlines we want to be respectful of that spirit the respectful of uh, the land and the culture and the history of the islands, the uh, the Ohana feeling, the family. It's, right. it's exactly what we feel at Southwest Airlines. This plane is a, is a wonderful tribute to that. We purposely chose not to use the state flag, which is typically what we do, and really dig deeper and put together something, working with an on-island agency that's a, it's a real tribute to the culture of the islands, the history of the islands, and ultimately the people. And I'm very, very proud of it. It's the most complicated paint job we've ever done, by the way. Is it really? Yeah, 16 colors, 23 days to paint, but wow. uh, but it's beautiful. Wow. I thought it was neat that you guys did have someone from uh, the island. We did. Artists and an agency from the island. Uh, Kurt Osaki, and he's done, he did a fantastic job. Let's talk about the, the more of the service down there, too. When you guys launched four years ago, you had no idea the pandemic was going to happen. That's right. You, you, didn't, you didn't pull out down there, which is a testament to the commitment, I think, that, that you guys have there. How challenging, though, is it, Bob, to to serve the islands because that destination is so different than anywhere else in the United States. It ha it's so insular almost. It, is, is, was it challenging at all to kind of be the outsider coming in there and saying, hey, we uh, we share similar values? Yeah, we're, we're, we go into a lot of airports and we're always the outsider when we start service. Uh, the, uh, we're, we're, you know, from our very beginning, we've been known as a disruptor. That, that's the Maverick and then Herb Kelleher. But, uh, Again, I think the, the, the spirit of the islands, the spirit of our company are so similar. The other thing that's just being practical, if you look at who flies to Hawaii, a lot of it is the, it's, it's the West Coast, it's California's. And California is a huge piece of our network. The Rapid Rewards credit card is a huge piece of our business. Those customers want to go to Hawaii. We had a built-in customer base. We just couldn't take them there because we weren't serving the islands. But to your point, once we go someplace, we're committed. We did not pull out during the pandemic, despite the fact that business was down 70, 80, 90%. Uh, in fact, if you look at our network, we opened 18 new cities during the pandemic, and those cities are all doing very well, and I'm just really proud of that. We, we didn't abandon our employees, we didn't abandon our customers, we did not abandon our communities. Um, looking back over the last four years, let's talk about goals in Hawaii. You started. You had four flights four years ago. Right now, you're from 90 flights a day down there. How do, how do you build this out? What what is a, a, a mature plan for uh, Southwest and Hawaii look like? Is it increasing frequency? Uh, you know, raising fares. What what is it? You know, I, I I think right now we're we're at in terms of the level of the network. We're we're at uh, if we're not at maturity, we're close. You'll you'll see us tinker with the schedule. You'll see us add more flights here and there. But 
right now it's about maturing the schedule, maturing the customer base. What we find- well, what, what does that look like? You say well, maturing the customer base. Despite the fact that we have 90 flights uh, on, on an average or a typical day, uh, like a lot of new communities, what you find is that they just don't know us yet. Uh, customers, especially on island, uh, for, so not, not taking folks to Hawaii, but uh, Hawaiians moving between islands and then moving from the islands uh, uh, to the mainland, they don't know us as well. So we've got to, we, we still have to introduce ourselves despite the fact that we're four years old. What we find is once somebody gives us a try, they love us, they love the service, and above all, they love our people because our people are so similar in culture to uh, the, the folks in Hawaii. But they're still learning. We're still introducing ourselves to Hawaii. Another really interesting fact is we spent, we talk a lot about being there over four years. We spent almost three years before we went into Hawaii just learning, making sure we understood the culture, making sure we understood uh, how to be culturally appropriate, how to protect the land, what's important to the people before we ever took a flight in Hawaii. Three years. Yeah, three, we spent three years understanding the community to make sure that we came into the community in an appropriate manner. Did, did the state ask you to come in? Did, did the customers ask you to come in for competition? I mean, what? Nope, what? nope. It, it was, was just another point on the uh, on, on the route map that we knew that we needed. You needed to, and we're very disciplined. And yeah. at some point, we knew we were going to Hawaii one day and uh, it, it, it came time. But no, no, we, we, uh, we, we, we the service increase was based on you know, our own network uh, network needs. You, you guys introduced the $39 fares to Hawaii. They, they hadn't seen that, I, I bet, in a long time since Aloha left. Um, how long do those stay around? I mean, you're already making an impact on that with your uh, competition down there. Well, we always have introductory fares. Sure. We, we have, we, we just, uh, we had very attractive fares early on. For a, a long time, we had $99 round trip fares. We had, we've had very attractive inter-island fares. Uh, it's just part of how we do business. Again, it's back to introducing ourselves to the community. You you uh, you have to work hard to uh, uh, just to make sure people know that you're there and to get and to get them to try the product. Because what we find is once they try the product, they like us. They come back. But you have to create that. A lot of times we do that through stimulating uh, traffic through low fares. Now our fares are low. Period. We go into a we we go into a city. We go into a route, and what we find is we we generate traffic. We stimulate traffic. We call it the Southwest effect, and that still exists today. Well, what does success look like in Hawaii? Uh, I think success looks like what you're seeing right here. We have a we have a customer base that's growing. We have a community that is still getting to know us, but loves us. Uh, we love Hawaii. The cultures are very similar. We have a tribute to Hawaii that we're sitting in. There's there's joy all through this cabin. Uh, I, I would argue we've been successful. we got success in front of us in the future, but I am really pleased with where we are with Hawaii. Four, four years from now, though, what does it look like? What does the Southwest operation look like on the islands, Bob? I think it, uh, I think it looks probably network-wise similar to, to what it looks like today. It's just more mature. I mean, part of what um, we want to do is be uh, respectful and cautious in terms of how we grow. It's very important that we respect the concept of Malama, protecting the earth and bringing uh, tourism to Hawaii that understands how to be a tourist and how to do it respectfully, how to honor the land. And, and uh, uh, it's, it's, it's an extremely important piece of how 
uh, the state of Hawaii wants tourism to come to the state. They want it to be done in a controlled manner and they want it to be done in a, a respectful manner. So we'll continue to mature that. A few last questions as well. Um, Hawaiian Airlines still has massive market share. What's the goal as far as market share looks like? You know, we we, we just, uh, we're just a little bitty Southwest Airlines. Stop it. That, we, no longer are you a little bitty Southwest uh, Airlines. Maybe we, uh, the we have no, we, we have, we have no desire, uh, 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 you know, to, uh, in fact, we don't even think of it that way. We think about our role in the market, how Hawaii fits into our network, how we can serve the care uh, the market. Uh, people ask me all the time, what do you think about mergers? What do you think about this carrier, that carrier? Most of the time, the answer is I don't. What I do is I think about Southwest Airlines and how we can be successful, how we can serve our employees and how we can serve our customers. I do not spend my time thinking about the competition. I spend my time thinking about Southwest Airlines. Let's talk about the future for a moment. Uh, 121 destinations, I believe. That's right. You guys have maxed out the, the, the United States, the, the Caribbean, Mexico, oh. Central America, yeah. Hawaii. We absolutely not. They, they are, you, you haven't. There are uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of dots on the map that are still open to Southwest Airlines. We get that question and we get, have you maxed out what you can do with the 737? Of course not. If you just look again, if you just look at the pandemic, we opened 18 new cities. The majority of those were either very small or they were secondary airports in cities or in some cases, large cities that we just didn't serve like O'Hare or Intercontinental in Houston. And we've proven that we can be successful in those types of airports, uh, large airports in large communities or very much, much smaller airports like a Bozeman, for example. And it just adds so many available dots to the network. And the fact that we have very large cities that are successful like a Denver, a Chicago, a Phoenix, a Houston, a Dallas, that lets us serve smaller communities around those cities. So there are uh, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of cities that are open to Southwest Airlines, and uh, we'll be we'll be measured. But no, we're not done growing this route network. Twenty twenty three is about restoring frequency, getting those right. more flights back to the the cities that you had flights on you know, pre pandemic. Uh, what does twenty twenty four look like? Are, are there more cities that you guys are looking at? In the, yeah. in the 12 to 18 months future? Yeah, goal, goal one, our, our, our goal this year really was to uh, catch our pilot hiring up to the level of aircraft. We're, we're, we're still pilot constrained, not aircraft constrained. In other words, we have aircraft that we could be flying if we had more pilots. That's, that's true of almost every other right. airline. So the goal this year was to do that and then to restore our network to pre-pandemic. Basically, that all that means is we've got communities and airports we serve that just don't, don't quite have the frequency or depth that they had before. And uh, that missing one flight on a route, for example, may be the flight that prevents a business person from taking a day trip. So we want to get that restored here in 23. I think 24 will be uh, another year of maturing those markets. I don't, we, we, may, we, uh, we may open a city, it's hard to tell at this point. Those 18 cities that we opened during the pandemic were really a pull forward of a lot of that opportunity. So I don't see that as a big piece. We just had a big uh, change here with the reduction in deliveries from Boeing. So Boeing was going to get us 90 aircraft this year. It now looks like it's going to be 70 uh, just because of some supply chain issues. That's material. So that's going to pull our growth rates down this year, likely pull our growth rate down next year. Uh, 
So it just means that we want to spend a lot of time maturing the network and again, restoring the network to what we had in terms of uh, pre-pandemic in 2019. Bob, there's still people who ask, would the airline ever think about flying to Europe from the East Coast? What do you, what do you tell those folks? Well, not with this aircraft. <laughs> and this but, is your uh, aircraft. But uh, we, yeah, we'd have a lot of decisions to make uh, to do that. Has that ever been discussed? If, at you know, we, we look at everything, but no, we're, we're uh, no, I don't see that in, in not any time in the near future. But if I go back, I've been 35 years of Southwest Airlines. If I go back and, uh, and I think of the things we wouldn't do, uh, we would never have a frequent flyer program. We would never change our boarding process. We would never go to a city or an airport like LaGuardia because it was crowded. We would, so so were, that tells me the Europe is next. We in. would never go to small cities. There were a long list of we would nevers. And over the years, we've chipped away at all those. So my only point is not that we're going to Europe, you know, in the next five years, but that when, when the opportunity makes sense, Southwest Airlines can get it done. You guys have, what, 800 and something planes by the end of the year? We will. Um, is there a goal to get to a thousand planes or anything like that to, to really build out the network even more to make sure you have that, that frequency? I'm much more focused on, uh, obviously you need aircraft to take advantage of your opportunities. I'm much more focused on orderly, regular uh, growth. We, we need to grow, sure. we want to grow. We have a lot of opportunities. We have gates coming online in Denver and Nashville and, and other places but I want the growth to be orderly. So rather than focusing on a number like a thousand aircraft, I'm focused on regular uh, measured orderly growth. But no, at some point here, we'll get to a thousand aircraft. We'll get to 5,000 flights a day. Uh, when I started, I, I think we had uh, 83 aircraft and uh, we thought that was a lot, but uh, no, I'm much more focused on that growth being measured and orderly. Two last things, uh, flight attendants and, and pilots, the contract on that, how, yep. how close is that? Any idea? The, uh, it, we're, we're in mediation there, so I really can't comment. Right. I think we're making uh, uh, good progress. There are a lot of good things being put on the table. The mediator, is, is, of course, uh, the mediation process is a process. The mediator's sure. in control. I'm, uh, I'm optimistic, and at the end of the day, we're going to pay great. We're going to have great scheduling rules. We're going to, you know, we're going to treat our people right. Uh, we, uh, if you look, listen, you know, if you listen to our financials, you know that we are accruing basically market level rates for all open contracts. Right. So we're going to pay market. We're going to pay great, and uh, that's already in the financials that you see from Southwest right. Airlines. Yeah, you guys are closing a lot of those, a lot of those uh, contracts already. Um, we closed and, seven in six months. Yeah, so. I, I, I saw that. Um, and then North Texas news, uh, McKinney, Collin County is talking about uh, creating an airport with passenger service. And, and McKinney says they've been talking to some airlines uh, about uh, starting flights from there. Have you guys talked to McKinney about that at all? Yeah, I can't really comment on McKinney. We talk, I'll, I'll tell you, we talk to airports all the time. Okay. Just to make sure that we understand what they're doing and where they're going and facilities they may be building. I think the more important question is serving the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, there's not a lot that we can do till 2025 uh, in terms of our, uh, you know, our, our uh, uh, the five-party agreement and our connection to Love Field. Love Field is our home. We have 18 gates, and it's our most highly utilized airport on our system in terms of gate usage. But we're going to need more than that to serve Dallas-Fort Worth as it grows, and uh, whatever that means. We'll take that question up, but we'll we will continue to grow and serve the area. How far out is is figuring out 
another way to, to serve Dallas Fort Worth. Five years out, or what is that? Well, there's not, again, there's really nothing that we can do to 2025, but just know that those are the kinds of things that we're thinking about. There's 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 nothing in the works. Okay. But like any area, we're going to serve the community. We're going to serve our customers' needs. Bob, anything else you'd like to add or point out? You'd like to let uh, folks know about? Well, we've talked a lot about you know cities and and, and uh, technology and all kinds of things, but we haven't talked about our people. I just want to say that the, uh, this company is great. I've been here 35 years. This company is great because we have the best people and employees on the planet. They love their jobs. They believe in Southwest Airlines. They're, they're, they, they're low ego. They love to serve others. They love to serve each other and our customers. That's why this place is different. That's why, that's why this place is unique. And that is why this place will be successful. And I have every bit of faith in them. Bob, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. So that's Bob Jordan there, the CEO of Southwest Airlines, being interviewed by us at, at 36,000 feet over the Pacific Ocean. A few things of note that he said there. Number one was there's no Department of Justice investigation into what happened last December. There, it has been reported in multiple places that not only the Department of Transportation is looking into whether Southwest scheduled more flights than it could possibly operate, but there have also been headlines saying that the Department of Justice might be looking into this. The CEO, Bob Jordan, said no, there, there's no DOJ investigation as far as he knows, but it was interesting also that he does have a direct contact back and forth, obviously, as one of the nation's largest airlines, that he has a direct contact back and forth with the Secretary of Transportation. Uh, a few other things about what's happening next for Southwest. Number one, larger overhead bins are coming for you Southwest fans. And, and maybe the biggest thing, if you fly Southwest, in-seat power. A lot of airlines have had this for a while. Southwest is, is doing this now. And the first aircraft it did is a 737 MAX that it uh, outfitted in that brand new livery for Hawaii. Where will the airline fly next? I ask this all the time to, to whomever I talk to for Southwest, are you going to start flying to Europe from the East Coast? And they always say, well, not on, not on the 737. No one wants to be on a 737 for six or eight hours. But Bob Jordan said there are plenty of places still left in the United States that he thinks Southwest should fly. So that's the number one at Southwest. The number two at Southwest is Andrew Watterson. He's the chief operating officer at the airline. It's rare enough and unusual enough for us to be able to interview, or any media, to be able to interview one executive of a major airline. But for two of them, that's pretty unusual. But Southwest also let us sit down with Andrew Watterson here on the islands, and here's what he told us. Okay, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics. Let's start out with culture. Uh, why was it so important to paint a plane with the Hawaiian livery? Well, you know, we do this uh, from time to time. We have, this is our 14th special livery. We start off with Lone Star One, and it really honors uh, locations, geographies. We have a big investment, whether that's money or cultural. And so we've done that for our um, uh, big states where we have a big presence on the mainland. But for Hawaii, uh, we didn't want to just have the Hawaiian flag. So it was, we had to have something different, something special, which is why we came up with Amua One, which is really a tribute to the, the Hawaiian culture and the Southwest culture. And you know this market, having worked at the competitor here, but. Explain why it's so important to get it right here 
in the Hawaiian culture? Well, you know, uh, Hawaii's part of the United States, but it also was a little different in the sense that it used to be a kingdom, uh, used to be a, uh, a territory, and so the people here come from all over, and it's a, it's a different place, which is a draw to come here on vacation. And so you want to pay respects to the host culture, at the same time acknowledge that they're, they're part of the United States and part of, uh, of Southwest Airlines network. Andrew, four years after you guys started Hawaii, we've gone through a worldwide pandemic, but what does success look like now for, for this destination? For us, uh, we started off success as being really offering this to our mainland customers. Our customers, especially towards the West United States, this is where they want to come for a beach vacation, and we're missing that. And so as we looked to offer Hawaii to our, our, our mainland and, and Western customers, we came out and investigate here. The people here were like, you know what, Andrew? You know what, Bob? We really want flights between the islands. They don't have an interstate that you can drive uh, between the islands. So if you need healthcare, you have to fly. And so really our purpose is connecting people and being able to offer flights between the island really fills our purpose. Hey, so you had people here telling you that, hey, we need the competition? Oh yes, from, from the governor down to the man in the street, so to speak. They were all just fit to be tied about the, the lack of competition because uh, a previous competitor went out of business like a decade ago. And so uh, they really wanted more competition. Aloha Airlines have been out since I think 08 when they when they went out of business. Um, you guys, what last last fall and I believe that this spring as well, we're doing the introductory fares, the $39 fares. Uh, can you give me an idea what type of reaction uh, have people been picking up on that? You obviously wanted to sample your your product. Yeah, it was it was a quite successful. You know, people knew about Southwest, Southwest Airlines, but they didn't know Southwest Southwest Airlines. So we wanted them to try us. And so to really make it easy, we said $39 every seat, every departure, and that way they can try us and they can realize, oh, you are different and I like it, and they come back. And so it really uh, helped us get uh, a customer base going here in the islands. How challenging is it to work in this, in this market? It's not like Nashville, it's not like Orlando, it's not like uh, you know, any other West Coast destination. Well, they call uh, the coconut wireless. And so that's basically word of mouth is very strong in Hawaii. And so if you disrespect somebody, if you ill serve somebody, uh, they'll tell their friends, they'll tell their relatives, they'll tell their cousins and everybody will know. So you must establish a brand and a reputation for delivering well. Hawaiian Airlines, obviously the behemoth on the island, uh, been around almost a hundred years. Uh, are, are you guys stealing market share from them? What we want to do is we want to get more people traveling. So uh, yes, our market share has gone up, but we're not trying to take away their customers. We're trying to bring customers uh, you know, uh, off the, the couch, so to speak. In Texas, it was get them out of the cars and into the airplane. Well, here they can't drive. So it was get them to go visit their friends and relatives. They, they perhaps did a decade ago. And so bringing them an opportunity to go see grandma, uh, to, to go see their, their uh, high school team play uh, the rival in a different island, that is what we wanted to do, is, is create an extra purpose for travel. Andrew, talk about what else the airline is doing to, to, to really fit into the culture here besides delivery on this aircraft? Well, it's important for us in any community we serve to be a part of the community, be, be good neighbors. Acknowledge we're not here, we're not your hometown airline, but we, uh, on each uh, island, we're, as we uh, unveil this aircraft, there's eight elements of, of Hawaiian culture that really fit with the Southwest culture. In honor of each of those um, uh, uh, culture elements, we've donated $10,000 uh, for each of those on, on each island to be able to kind of give back to the community and kind of let people know uh, that we, uh, we're, we're part of them and we support them which is on top of the usual stuff we do, like Ronald McDonald House and, and giving people you know, uh, tickets for medical needs. And can you give me some numbers here? I think you said 800 uh, employees you guys have working on the islands? 
That is correct. 800 employees work on the islands. Uh, you know, that's, uh, we started off, we're a unionized uh, uh, airline. We started off with some mainlanders who came out here temporarily to kind of help get things going. They transferred back and we hired locally. And so uh, we've kind of raised wages, if you will, out here by giving, you know, uh, good quality Southwest Airlines jobs to 800 locals. Have you raised wages? Uh, yes, we have. Our, our starting wage uh, and the prevailing wage has gone up from, I believe it was $13, $14 uh, to $20 is what we're offering uh, for a starting salary. They go up to uh, uh, 30 plus, uh, $35 an hour, uh, the top end of our scale. When you guys started this four years ago, uh, I think it surprised a lot of customers. They were surprised that you guys would go that far across the Pacific. Can you springboard from here and go anywhere else? Oh, goodness. Uh, right now, we're just concentrating on getting this kind of buttoned down. Even though uh, it's four years, it's actually been a four years of up and down with, you know, COVID, the max grounding. And so right now, I'm just focused on getting this button down before I start dreaming bigger. Are you dreaming bigger? Oh, I'm always dreaming big. What are you dreaming about? Uh, well, right now, I'm dreaming about getting our, our network restored uh, the, on the continental United States. Uh, and then in 24 and 25, we've got a lot of aircraft coming from Boeing. So we're looking at where should we go? Should we just kind of bulk up our current cities or open up new geographies? That's what Bob and I are discussing with the executives. And, and what does that look like? Because the new aircraft is coming in. And, and, uh, do you think you're going to end the year of, what, 830-something aircraft? Yes, sir. Um, where do those go? Well, if you look across the United States, uh, the top 50 travel markets, we're number one uh, in 23 of them. So we have a big customer base. And, and what we look for in each of those cities is where those people want to go. They travel for work, to go see Mickey, to go see Grandma, to go to Vegas, come to Hawaii. And so we look for places to add to that customer base. We want our customers to tell us where do they need us to fly. And so that's what they, uh, uh, are kind of the, the strategy behind our network is. Are they telling you they want to fly anywhere specific? Uh, well, we, we get more uh, requests for some more Caribbean, some more Central America, uh, as well as more Hawaii. So, and then plus your, your, your basic business destinations, we, they want more of that. They want more of the New York, the D.C., the Boston, the Seattle. And so we're, we're looking at all those places to, to add our portfolio. Add more flights to those existing routes. That's correct. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, the, the news of the day, obviously. Um, this, the December cancellations, the delays from the firewall issue in April. Summer travel's coming up. What keeps you up at night when you see the summer schedule? Well, the summer schedule, summer's all about thunderstorms. And so uh, with a winter storm, we feel like we've uh, understood the lessons from December and we, we've bought the equipment, hired the staff, we've got the technology for that. Thunderstorms kind of uh, come out of nowhere. Uh, you don't see them coming for a day or two like you do with a hurricane or a snowstorm. And so uh, for us, it was about uh, getting our control center uh, uh, working well and humming so they can handle those last minute uh, delays and cancellations that come from the thunderstorms. And we're off to a, a good start, I feel like, in, in the spring. We've had a lot of uh, Florida thunderstorms, some uh, uh, Texas thunderstorms, and we've done well. We're uh, uh, number two year-to-date in the uh, industry in on-time performance. I think that speaks well of our people. Andrew, I saw that most, uh, almost half of the people who were affected last December have since rebooked. Um, do you expect the other half to come back as well? Well, you know, our customers don't travel uh, every week. We have some customers who travel every week, so our high-frequency customers are back, and they're buying at the same rhythm. But some people only travel once a year for, uh, uh, for, for Christmas or Thanksgiving, so it's those low-frequency travelers that aren't back yet, and I fully expect them to come back, because what we're seeing in our customer satisfaction is the trust is back for us right now. Now, we can't portray it, and so we're really focused on making sure we have the capabilities we need for next winter, uh, but right now our customers are telling us uh, they trust us again. And are you guys, I think you mentioned the other day that you feel pretty confident you'll have everything in place by the fall, by, by next winter from 
engine covers to more de-icing pads to more more trucks you, you feel pretty confident all that's going to fall into place this summer yeah so we've got the orders in place the hiring run, machine running and so all that stuff is coming in as we speak and so we feel like we will be uh, well set up for uh, for next winter any idea when you think that or well let me ask you this the DOT investigation, what do you expect to come from that? Well, the DOT has been investigating us uh, since the, the disruption. Uh, they visit us numerous times, and so far it seems like uh, we've done everything correctly and by the book, and, uh, and they've told us that when they visited, that uh, we reimburse customers, we, which is, you know, their expenses they had, hotels, rental cars, and stuff like that. We've refunded uh, their ticket prices all within uh, uh, the guidelines and deadlines they give us. And so, so far uh, we've checked all the boxes, but they're still investigating. We'll see what they find. Any idea when that might wrap up? Have they told you? Are they near uh, the end? Well, you never know. They can take all the time they need, and, and you, you, we welcome the scrutiny. When you, when you, you mess up, you expect the scrutiny, and, uh, and we'll certainly uh, address everything that comes around. They're the ones driving the bus for now. What else can you think of, Andrew, you'd like to add or point out to let customers know about whether it's Hawaii, whether it's the summer travel coming up? I mean, I think a, a lot of folks, when I told them what I was going to go do to come out here and do the story with you guys, uh, a lot of folks were like, wow, that's awesome. Uh, number one, my brother-in-law is a huge fan, by the yeah. way, in Nashville. Uh, he said, well, tell him to stop canceling my flights. He flies all the time. He's one of your uh, A-list guys. Uh, stop canceling my flights, and are they going to be good to go for the summer? What do you tell somebody like him? Uh, I think that if you look at um, uh, the, our completion rate versus competitors, it's very flattering. I think we're fourth out of 10, industry, uh, 10 airlines with our completion rate, which means the percent of flights that we don't cancel. And a lot of that is around the, the, the um, uh, weather and ATC. And so the government, I think, has done a really good job of hiring up themselves uh, because a year, year and a half ago, they didn't have all the controllers they needed. And so they're making great progress on that, collaborating with the industry. We're grateful. But still, when thunderstorms uh, sprout up across the southeast, you know, you're left with a lot, not a lot of good choices sometimes, not just Southwest Airlines, but all airlines. And so I think we have to work through that uh, this summer with the FAA. And so far, the collaboration is off to a good start this year. Last thing, can you talk about the, what the airline is doing to recruit more pilots? I mean, there's a pilot shortage across the industry, but you guys have all these planes coming in. You need someone to fly them. It's a good time to be a pilot. So uh, if you or your children or your, or your nephews want to, uh, or nieces want to be uh, pilots, uh, now's a really good time. Now, it takes a while because in the U.S. we have a very high threshold uh, to, to be a pilot for air transport pilot. And so uh, we're working uh, early on, whether it's pilots going to classrooms for adopt a pilot or it's helping people get initial training and uh, initial experience. Uh, we're you know, putting the, the, the money and the effort into that. But really, those who are ready to be pilots, there's only a certain number. And so we aspire to be an attractive employer, pay people well, treat people well. And so far, we're getting the pilots we need to fund our growth. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Wrapping up here in Hawaii, when will the DOT investigation, that Federal Department of Transportation investigation into Southwest, when will that be complete? And what's the result of it? It is important to note, if you fly Southwest, if you are flying Southwest this summer to travel to the beach, to go see family for your summer vacation, whatever it might be, Southwest just keeps reiterating it spends a billion dollars a year on technology. No airline wants to have issues. Southwest really felt the brunt of that and is trying to move on from that. Things happen though, but I'll say this, there's something to be said for transparency. A lot of times when any organization gets, gets in the weeds on something and, and has some issues, the last thing they want to do is go take questions from a journalist, from the podcast here. And even more than that, they usually give, you know, politicians or organization or anybody usually gives you maybe 10, 15 minutes. We went a half hour with Bob Jordan there and, and a similar amount of time with Andrew Watterson too. So read into that what you may.
The podcast has been fun. We do have to catch a flight back to the mainland, back to Texas. Wheeler's gonna be very jealous. I might have picked him up some more beer on the way back too. So we appreciate you watching. We appreciate you listening to this podcast. You can watch it on YouTube as well. If you haven't watched it, make sure you uh, check out Yolitics on YouTube. Please tell your friends about us as well. We don't just cover politics. We also cover newsmakers and the big Texans who are in the news constantly. So from Hawaii here, mahalo, which means gratitude. We appreciate your support and we'll see you back in Texas. Take care. Okay, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Yolitics.